9.33. It is time for Gardening with Barb and Karen. And with me right now is my good friend, Barb Lampson, who is uh, looking pretty excited. It's a nice weekend, Barb. Uh, you might not be out. I'm going to be outside. I'm taking the afternoon off to work outside in the garden because I still have a lot to do. I, you know what, Karen, I do too. As a matter of fact... Last week, you gave me my bulb. Yes, I gave you a lily bulb. Yes, you did. And I got to plant it. Oh, you still have to? Okay. Yes. Yes, I do. I got four for my son for my birthday. In Alaska. Mm-hmm. And um, and David planted those for me. And I said, I'm going to plant this one from Karen. So that's that. Do you have me. a spot for it uh, in the sunshine <clears throat> somewhere? Of course I have oh, a spot. Good. Yeah, I think yeah. it's called Tiger Baby, and it's really a pretty pink with some spotted pots I, on it. You know, one of the best ideas I ever had as my kids bought houses was I bought memberships to the Lily Society for oh. them, and I renew them every single year. And my son, Chad, said, oh, Mom, I'm so disappointed that um, I didn't get to talk to somebody from the Lily Society, he said, I know Karen belongs because he gets the newsletter and everything. Right. And he knew the sale was coming up. Oh. And his, he's, well, he plants a wide range of, of lilies, the Orientals, the Asiatics. He's getting into Mardigans. Oh, you know, they are, they're very expensive, though. Um, and he that, knows that, yeah. And, and that's because they take so long to develop. So, and I know I've mentioned this before, but if you're going to create um, an Asiatic, they use a couple to three years to, you know, get some things started. But uh, from start to when you can get something on the market even is seven years for the Martagons. Yeah. And those are the ones that bloom the first thing in the spring. So you have color in the spring and they're just beautiful. They they um, they, they have such a shiny little petal. And I don't know if you've got some in your garden too. You know what? Um, there was a grower over by Old Hana. Mm-hmm. And I bought a beautiful martagon from him. I had it in the backyard, which wasn't full sun, but at least got five hours a day. Yeah, they don't need as much. Right. Mm-hmm. And it really didn't do well. Oh. So then, I mean, it bloomed. But drainage but, is a key for them. Yeah. Yeah. So I moved it up front. Okay. And um, it didn't like that. And after this moving around... It died one winter. Oh. I was just absolutely crushed. I think I paid about $25 yep. for the bulb. That's about right. And, yeah. And my son said, you know, Mom, I, I know these are expensive. And he said some of the, he's been uh, corresponding, because in Alaska, where do you get bulbs? You know, right. <laughs> everything has to be sent in. And he said, uh, he's he, he has, does his business, he's from Shakopee. But he is strictly commercial. Oh, sure. So, um, oh, I know that's my friend Forrest Piper. And okay. Because he has uh, what's called Lily Land, and they grow exclusively the Martagons, and he's one that mentored my son Grant for breeding lilies. And they're wonderful, wonderful people, but you go, it's near Shakopee, and you can go and tour it, and it's absolutely beautiful. Well, I told him, why don't you come this summer? And we will see what we can do. And he said, you know, I'm thinking about doing that. So um, if mom and dad don't bring you home, it seems Mardigan <laughs> Lily's will. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Uh, well, you know, 
Yeah, so I'm going to be, I have still have some more lilies and things to plant, but I'm also going to be mulching a lot of leaves. Um, I'm going to be uh, putting them through my shredder. And I found somebody who has some pine needles. I'm going to get some pine needles because oh, that's an excellent thing for, for mulch, especially when you've got a slope because they don't wash down. Yeah, yeah. You know, as a matter of fact, in Georgia, they harvest them in their national, in their state forest. Yeah. They go in just like with a combine, and they pick them up, they bale them. And um, there are some enterprising people that also do that on their own land, and they will come around and check to see if you want them to take care of your mulching. And they put oh. down pine needles. Yeah. You know, I wish we had that resource, but really there aren't, I mean, enough large Right. forests or groves of of pine tr trees so i i looked into ordering some but i'll tell you what even if the bale you can order isn't that much the shipping would just kill me so i just yeah. thought oh yeah, yeah yeah right right exactly you know what i i would like to talk about um the buckthorn oh this i got it <laughs> this is not um this is something that's not a new pro uh, problem we have known about buckthorn for quite some time now and how invasive it is. Yesterday, I, I took a trip over to Blue Earth and I was surprised to see farmsteads. You know, they always have a nice grove of trees. Sure. And you look in there, the leaves are off the trees and you see these green little trees, understory plants, just loaded and I thought, how do we deal with this? Because this nasty shrub tree gets berries, and the birds come. They eat this berry. Distribute them. Yeah, and you know how birds travel. Have you gone along Stoltzman Road when we go along Stoltzman, and you look on the hillside as you're going around the curves? Uh, that whole hillside is green still, and that is all buckthorn because pretty much anything else, the leaves have gone off. So when you see all that still kind of understory yeah. green leaves, that's probably buckthorn. And it, they've got, you know, the common or the European buckthorn and the glossy buckthorn, and and uh, they're non-native, invasive species found in Minnesota. And, you know, initially they were thought, because they looked pretty. They were so ornamental. Like, so they sold them at, at nurseries and things. And my sister, right. I remember going in the yard, she goes, oh, look how pretty these shrubs are. And I said, Cheryl, that's a buckthorn. She goes, what? Yeah. And I told her it was invasive, so she, she dug it out. But yes. but then she looked along at her neighbors on the, the line between her neighbors and her house, and there was just tons of them. And so she asked the neighbor if she could pull them because the neighbors, they had no clue. And so she's been working on that for several years. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, that that's that really is what it takes. I don't quite understand this attitude of doing nothing about it. Right. Because the problem will be worse and worse. And can you imagine? I mean... When you have buckthorn, it crowds out all those understory plants that you would have. You and lose wildlife, you lose native plants, I mean, right? a lot of things. Right. And, you know, you think of uh, violets and uh, all those plants that come up early in the spring, and they never get a chance to start Absolutely. because the buckthorn grows so fast and it's so aggressive. And you 
wouldn't even know it unless you get in your garden or in your area and start crawling around on your hands and knees. You think you got it out one year? No. Nope. You look beside those plants or underneath them, some of them, uh, and you will find these little plants starting. And they put down a root that really wants to hang on and doesn't want to come out. You know, they basically they outcompete any of the native plants, and they take the nutrients, they take the light, they take yep. the moisture, and then it degrades the wildlife habitat. And basically, it is threatening the future of our forests, our wetlands, our prairies, and other natural habitats. And so for controlling it, I mean, I do pull out when I see the little ones, I pull them out, but it's really a multi-year commitment that you have to get rid of that. And I guess most, most viable seeds in the soil germinate within two years. So every time you're disturbing the soil, you're opening it up for more sure. to to um, germinate and more. So, I mean, it's it, like they say, it's a multi-year thing. It just doesn't stop. Right. You know, Karen, I remember when we first started this program, we used to talk about how much we love to prune. <laughs> and you were always wandering around your neighborhood with a pruner, <laughs> and you were pruning things. Maybe we have to have you wander around the neighborhood <laughs> with a spade and be digging. And here's what I was thinking. This is probably uh, too big a problem for some people as they get elderly, oh, yeah. and they can't keep up. They can't get down on hands and knees. They can't dig anymore. Well, when we have um, holidays, like Thanksgiving, um, you can usually get out, and you can still work in the garden. You really can. How about if after that big Thanksgiving dinner, Give everybody a pruner? No. <laughs> give them a pruner oh. or or give them a spade, if whichever, and say, okay, let's, let's do this as a family thing. We maybe can't get all of these today, but let's at least make a start on it. You know, I think children would be open for that. I'm not so sure, Barb. <laughs> well, it seems I, you know, I, on the farm, I think we would have been, but now with kids and their devices, I think it'd be hard to get them out. But maybe, um, you know, Barb, there's nobody going to be coming to your house for for Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, uh, <laughs> she puts them to work. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know what? I shouldn't say this, but um, as of about, uh, oh, I would say September. I did my last check on my garden, and I may have missed uh, some of those young seedlings. Oh, sure. But I didn't see any, so so you are safe to come to my place. Oh, well, but, you know, on our lake house, I noticed on the hillside, they're still green, and I'm going to have to work on that because there are the little babies that come up, and like you said, they're so little, and you don't really notice them, and then give them a year or two, and they're... Yeah, you can. You know, when we first started getting instructions on how to get rid of buckthorn, they said that if you have something, you can't dig out the root to cut it, like say within six inches of the ground, and you would take, depending on the uh, uh, circumference of that that uh, stalk that's sticking mm -hmm. up, you save a coffee can or a soup can. You put it right over on top of that that stalk that you left, mm -hmm. and you take a hammer and a nail, and you nail it really? right into the middle of that. Oh. So, I mean, if you've got a chainsaw or if you've got a good uh, pruning saw, you could cut these off, and you could do that. If you leave that can on there with the nail in it, they're supposed to die. Well, okay. Now, my niece, she worked for the Park Service for a while up in um, 
I believe it was Ely, Minnesota, and they had the buckthorn problem, and one of her jobs at the park was to help eliminate that. So they would saw them off, and then they would take a dauber or some sort of a spray with color and would actually spray them because when they're over a certain circumference, I mean, and they're really hard to get out, that, I don't know if it was glycophate, glycosphate or some, it was some uh, right. chemical right. or whatever, but really when you got that big of a... Uh, problem and so then it had they added color to it so you could see what you've done because otherwise there's so many little tree stumps and so that was that was her job is basically go out in there and then they'd cut them down they'd spray them to try and prevent them from coming up yeah and i mean it is a big problem all across the midwest and so if you don't want to monkey with chemicals at least try it i never tried this idea of putting a soup can or a coffee can on but and then putting the nail through it. <laughs> if I do that, Barb, it'll look like I'm growing a bunch of cans in the woods. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, a game or something. Right. Or, or high styling <laughs> in the garden, you know. <laughs> My and, sculptures. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think that if we if we stay aware of the problem and talk to people about it, I think we can we can lick that problem or at least get working on it. Yeah, and you know, I've also some places like Flandreau Park uses the goats. And so they use those and to munch them down because sometimes if they're young, yeah. Right, when they're right. Yeah. But they'll kill the leaves off in some of them and get rid of them. So that's I know unless yeah. you want a yard full of goats, I mean that's a possibility, yeah. but now this is one thing I didn't realize, but did you know that the um Buckthorn also serves as a host to other pests such as crown rust fungus or soybean aphid. So, I mean, so they're bringing in things, nasties that we don't want. Sure. And then they form that impenetrable layer of vegetation. And there really are no natural controls like insects or diseases that would curb its growth. So, Isn't that something? Yeah. So it's a thing. You can look up online. University of Minnesota has... Uh, right. ways you can eliminate it. They've got pictures to show you what they look like if you're not sure, but pretty much anything that's green right now is probably right. it. Right, Very noticeable. Yeah. Very, very noticeable, yeah. And is it the first one in the spring kind of to come out too or not? I don't know for I sure. I don't know about okay, that. Okay, I'm not sure uh, either. I'm not, I'm not looking for them. I have <laughs> noticed I have noticed different areas um, um, of city property Yes, where 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 they're on, and I just think uh, uh, I don't know if it's uh, money they haven't budgeted, but it's a real disservice to the rest of the residents of the community that they're growing and they're getting these berries and they're being mixed up all over. Or some people have them had them put in as hedges, you know, and so they don't want to remove them because I said, well, this is a beautiful hedge. I'm not going to take it down. The same thing with the burning bush is the burning bush is also invasive. Mm-hmm. And with the um, the little scillas in the spring, those little um, bulbs that are the little pretty blue flowers, yes. people say, well, mine don't get out of my yard. Mine don't get out of my yard. Uh-huh. Well, that's what you think, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's the same with the burning bushes. They say, well, that mine doesn't get out of yeah. it. And some of the barberries, too, that used to be sold ornamental are also... Uh, invasive. You know, um, I have two barberries on my property, and uh, it's one of the things I can grow out by the road where there gets salt splashed up on them, and they are so hardy. Um, I prune them back every year, trying to, I, I don't want them to get berries, 
Right. And but boy, they are a nasty thing. Oh, I, put them I, under your window if you don't want anybody peeping in the window. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't have them there, but I do have them by my mailbox, and and it's going to be a big job uh, taking them out when we do. But do you know that in recent years that they have developed some barberries that are classified as sterile? So you can look for some of those varieties. Sure. And that's an important thing to do. Ask, and, and if your nursery doesn't know, then I'd find a different place to go. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I think we have um, other things that can be a real pain in the butt to most of us <laughs> when we see them growing on somebody's property. And for me, that's the thistle, oh. this Canadian thistle. And that blooms and that those seeds, yeah, they spread all over. And I have seen that on city property. I have seen that on homeowners property. And you know, we have rules here. We, you know, we can't have weeds in our yard, on our lawns, but why don't we enforce rules equally? I mean, if we're going to have a rule for something, um, is that up to the citizens to um, take charge and, and go tell these people or to report them? I mean, what do you do? I think it's a matter of, you know, the maybe not enough people to, to go around to do it because, for example, out by the lake, there's in the ditches, there's a lot of thistles and that sort of thing. And the county will cut them down, sure. but a lot of times they don't notice them until it's too late. They've already seeded or things. So I know I personally will get on and say, hey, these are going to bloom. You need to cut them. Right. Um, right. Because sometimes they can't be everywhere. So, I mean, right. I think it's just human nature. So I think you have to take it upon yourself. Maybe you do call the city and say, hey, there's a real problem with whatever. You know, we, um, in a house next to us, um, there wasn't, uh, they were doing construction on it, remodeling the inside, and there was very little attention paid to the, to the yard. As a matter of fact, if they mowed the grass, we were happy. All <laughs> of a sudden, in their foundation planting, and they had dug out, taken out all the shrubs and things, we saw thistle coming. Oh, it disturbed I, the soil. Yeah. Oh my goodness! And it just came out, came up. Not one or two plants. It really came through. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know they got to do something about this. And I, I told them about it. But you know what? They really were. Um, not responsive. They probably thought you were some crazy old lady in the neighborhood trying to tell them what to right. do. I mean, seriously. Exactly. Yeah. And so by that time, where I had my, um, I had a garden up front, and there was some bare soil there, I had thistle coming in. Ooh. I couldn't believe it. And I couldn't believe how deep that root goes. Oh, yes. It has a really tap. deep tap root you have to get after. So not only did I have to start uh, digging their thistle, but my own now as well. And I thought, what a lesson learned here. And that's one of the things, you know, that they've discovered too with um, when tilling the soil, it's better not to have to till because then you don't stir up all those weed exactly. seeds. I know there are people who will take and say, well, I'm going to get a rototiller and I'm going to rototill my garden up every year. And then you bring all those new weed seeds up. I tend to just leave it and, you know, right. maybe just, you know, put amend the soil where I'm going to plant stuff and then just put the, the seeds there. And then I'm not stirring up all those um, weed seeds so I don't have so many to, to bother me. Yeah, and you know, we even see farmers now that do yes, no minimum till. tilling or no-till. So and much I, better. I was noticing that 
even these cornfields, um, they chop the corn stalks really fine. And then if their soybeans are going in next, they go in the in the middle between the rows. And I thought, well, I mean, they're getting it. We should at least be this smart in town. Right. So I think it's going to just be one of those things that you either get it or you don't. And yeah, you know, we can preach to the choir here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. But uh, you know what? Um, we are we are getting a bit preachy, but but when you think of how things uh, how things take over, I just never thought there was so much buckthorn yeah, out there. A lot. You take a trip now, and I hope our listeners and look into those woods and see what you think. Well, you go down Stoltzman around those curves, and you will just go, wow! You can't see any of the the floor of no. the forest. In fact, we were driving. Where were we driving? Um, and we, we, I was looking, and you, you could see the whole. Oh, I know. We were up north at my my cousin's house by Cumberland, Wisconsin, and in their woods. And we were driving by, and you can see through the whole woods because there's there's none of that all growing all on the exactly. floor. Exactly. And it was beautiful. The leaves were down, and I just thought, wow, I wish you know that we could have ours look this beautiful. Yeah, I I agree. That's yeah. really great. I think that uh, Minneopa Park is. Um, going to be doing something this weekend. I oh. can't remember the date on that, but I think they were looking for volunteers to come out. Let me, let me see if I can find it for you. Okay. It's always a good thing to... I love Minneopa Park. I do too. You know, I collected uh, seeds from some of the native plants out there one year. It was just absolutely delightful. Was that part of a, a group um, uh, it was, project or something? It was the... Um, you could volunteer. We had there were Boy Scouts out there groups, and they, it was open to the public to come and collect seeds. And they assigned a, an area for you. Not only did we collect them, we cleaned them. Okay, here let's see. Well, I am looking right for this weekend, Barb, and I don't see anything for. Hmm, I'm not seeing anything right now, but I'll I'll see if I can find. I it. wonder if we missed it. Well. I don't know. I know there's a Minneopa State Park on next um, Friday has a nature hike at night uh, at the park. That sounds like fun. Seven p.m. to eight thirty p.m. That does sound like fun. Actually. Well, we'll have to. We'll have to. We'll wait figure and, it out. Yeah. Cause yeah. Right. And if if you get that chance to go out, boy, our public parks don't we love them and take use of them? Oh, it's so absolutely great that somebody had the intelligence to set aside these beautiful areas for us so we can just walk and walking in the in a, a woods and kicking the leaves do you ever do that as a child oh all the time we had cow pastures and you know when you'd go out in the cow pastures to look for a calf that was born you'd look under you know behind oh, wow. tree stumps and and things and we used to have a quite a acreage on our other farm where we had a lot of maple trees and we we would tap them with with the sap and stuff but in the fall it was just beautiful and we um used to my dad used to would take the chainsaw and he'd let us girls use the chainsaw and we'd cut wood because we had a a wood burning stove in our calf shed that he did the calf shed and the house oh wow yeah so we two in the morning we go out get out up out of the house walk uh cross the the way to get to the calf shed and and part half of it was a machine shed and that's where the the um wood burner burner was and we'd throw wood in the stove dad would say if you wake up you know and go and put some more wood in there and keep the house warm oh wow 
Yeah. You are a real farmer, Karen. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. I should tell you about the one year when uh, the the uh, sewer, the septic froze mm-hmm. and the toilets didn't work in the house. Mm-hmm. All winter long, we had to walk to the calf shed and <clears throat> go in the gutters. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That it was so- pretty darn cold. <laughs> yeah, I bet it was. I just never forget that. And I just thought, you know, probably my parents could have paid somebody to uh, maybe do something. But, you know, they were farmers. They were very... Yes. Frugal, so he waited till spring till it's thawed out, and then he uh, <clears throat> we scooped it out the uh, septic ourselves. Sure, sure. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> farmers have a way of uh, they probably learned that you have to be pretty careful with your cash. Look, well, you at, did. My my nephew was telling me they he still lives on the farm over by Sleepia, and I think he said um, corn was going for like four twenty five a bushel. It's it's very bad price right now for oh, corn. It? Oh gosh. Yeah, it costs the inputs are so high. Yeah, it's it's tough to be a farmer. You don't spend money you don't need to spend. Absolutely. Hey Barb, I've got a question. So my roses are very very tall and unwieldy right now, yeah. and I know you're not supposed to cut them when they're green because that encourages them to grow more. So yeah. when should I trim them back? Because I had a couple <laughs> people ask that question. Yeah, you're right about that. Uh, anytime you take off wood, it encourages them to growth. growth. Mm-hmm. But I think you probably could wait until they start losing their leaves. Okay. Then, then you'd be pretty sure. Just take about a fourth of the bush off. Don't do more than that. Uh, if it's if it's tall, if it doesn't even need a fourth, then don't take that. But if they, my rose bushes too. As a matter of fact, a couple of the branches, the shoots coming out of the ground, grew taller than the rest of it. And they have grown, I would say, four and a half feet, and they're bending over. And I thought, how is it that some of these branches, these new shoots coming up, how did they get ahead of the rest? This must be vigorous. This probably is going to have a lot of roses on it. I don't want to take off too much. And I haven't cut it back yet. I'm still waiting I suppose the snow will be falling, and I'll say to David, where is my good pruning shears? <laughs> the other one I want to know about, too, is, is I have a lot of hydrangeas, and they are still very beautiful, those yeah. big, heavy flowers. But when they start to get ice and snow on them, they get heavy, and then they snap. I'm wondering if I could cut the, the, the blooms off now. Yeah. You know, I had the same thing. We were um, out in the, in our driveway this morning, and I have a hydrangea that's... Uh, it, it isn't um, strawberry vanilla or vanilla strawberry, but it has a tendency to be when when it blooms, it's white and then it becomes pink, but not as pink as as uh, vanilla strawberry. Yeah, right. And the, that one, that's uh, strawberry vanilla, that one stays shorter. This one gets taller hmm. and bends over. It's much more graceful looking. I don't know how many blooms on there, but tons and tons of them. And so now the leaves are frozen, and it's bending. It's yes. just bending. So if we, if we got any snow on there, those branches would start breaking right. off. So that's probably something um, that we'll do this weekend. And you know what the great thing is when you cut those beautiful blooms off, they're dried. You can put them outside in your Christmas arrangements. I love to do that. And sometimes you can spray paint them if you want or just yeah. use them natural. And so that is one thing. So I'll cut them and I actually will, yes. you know, I'll get a bunch of pine boughs from around the yard, put them in, and then I add these as accents. So I agree. You, they give um, an arrangement, that airy look. 
Yes. You like something that's not going to be so clunky or clustered, but it's, it's nice and airy. And the wooden stem on there holds and supports that yes. that bloom really, really well. Right. Well, I'm sorry we are out of time, but I look forward to having some nice weather this weekend, and I appreciate you coming in, and we will uh, chat with you next week. Well, thank you, Karen. Have a good weekend, and don't work too hard. Okay, thanks, Barb. <laughs> Bye-bye. Oh, Barb is always watching out for us. Thank you, Barb. It's 10 o'clock. You are listening.